You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We want to focus now more closely on matters here in Michigan with someone we like to check in with from time to time, Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, the person who called the world's attention to what was going on in Flint during the city's water crisis. Last time we had Dr. Mona on, it was in April, which feels like it was at least a year ago, if not five years ago. Uh, And she recounted her experience contracting and recovering from COVID-19. Now she joins us again to talk about how she's been doing as a healthcare worker, a parent, and just a human being living in this crazy time. Dr. Mona, Welcome back to Detroit Today. Stephen, it's always great to connect with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's start with how you're doing. Uh, Like I said last time we had you on, you were still recovering from COVID-19. Yeah, so I contracted COVID quite early in March after a a visit to New York City, which I had no idea was the epidemic of the the crisis back then. Um, I was sick. For a couple months, I lost my sense of smell and taste um, for about two to three months. Um, fortunately, I'm much better. Things still taste a little weird and smell a little funny, um, but I've by and large um, recovered. I was also able to donate my convalescent plasma um, three times. So those are the antibodies that they take from um, recovered COVID patients that they give to patients who are a lot sicker. Um, So I am much better, uh, knock on wood, um, and grateful to be um, back uh, seeing patients. Mm. So I'm really glad to have you uh, with us today because there's something that's been running through my mind as this argument plays out among our leadership in in Lansing in this state about how to deal uh, with this. And the, the, the Republican resistance to the idea that there should be restrictions, the idea that, that government should be involved in trying to keep people safe during this pandemic, it, you know, it, it reminds me all the time of the very arguments we were having a few years ago when they were talking about switching the water supply in Flint from Detroit to the Flint River. And then later, as it was clear that that was the wrong decision and was making people sick and exposing people to this dangerous toxin, the the arguments that we had about what government should do, what government's role is in people's lives, it's almost in some in some ways to me is it's just an echo of of that incident playing out again on a much grander scale uh, with much more serious consequences. Yeah, Stephen, I, I couldn't agree more. And the lessons of Flint are, are so resonant to where we are today. You know, I think there's four big things that we learned in Flint. We learned that we need good governance that values public health. We need leaders who. Um, Their first and foremost job is to protect the health and safety of their residents. We also learned that we have to listen to science, that scientists and experts, uh, be it from those who are studying water quality or children's health or infectious diseases, we have to listen to the, the scientists. We have to be driven by science. I think the third big lesson that we learned is that um, we have to focus on prevention. We have to proactively invest in public health infrastructure, Mm -hmm. um, which as a state and a nation, we have been 
um, really, um, you know, it, it's, it's hollowed out and what it used to be. Public health is always kind of on a chopping block. We've, we, we are very bad at funding local and state health departments and, and even at the national level. And public health infrastructure is, is water and pipes and drinking water delivery systems and surveillance programs. And it's also folks like contact tracers um, and having the staff to, 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 you know, react to things like epidemics when they happen. And then I think the fourth big lesson in Flint that we kind of stickingly um, learned firsthand was the role of disparities and inequities. Mm-hmm. You know, Flint, it's been said many times, never would have happened in a richer or, or wider community. And here we are with um, with this pandemic, which is also unleashing significant disparities and impacted. Um, so these kind of four big lessons are, are exactly what we are going through today where we do not have leaders who are valuing public health um, and the most vulnerable among us. We are not listening to basic common sense science. Um, we, you know, we are living uh, these consequences because we fail to invest in, in public health over time mm-hmm. and we are widening inequities. Um, so for me, like, it's maddening that we are going through these same lessons. Um, but as an eternal optimist, it also gives me a lot of hope that we will finally um, take heed of these lessons. And I think um, one of the reactions to Flint and on our water crisis was electing um, a, a governor who, who values science and who values public health and um, who has already, you know, in her short time done a lot to reverse the lessons of Flint. And we can talk about that. Um, so I'm grateful for her leadership, but it really, um, it, it, it shows us that when you elect leaders who value public health, then, then, you know, the health and safety of our residents can be protected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, give us a sense of what you're seeing as a physician working in Flint during this crisis. And of course, Flint is very much like Detroit in yeah. its makeup in terms of its racial makeup, its its economic makeup. Uh, we haven't talked a whole lot here in Detroit about how hard hit Flint was in the spring and the summer, uh, even though I've heard uh, f- a fair amount about it. But give us a sense of what things look like there now. Yeah, so, you know, in the, in the spring when Michigan was uh, initially hard hit from the pandemic, obviously the Detroit area was the hardest hit community. And then outside of the Detroit area, it was Genesee County where, where Flint is. Uh, so, you know, we had, um, you know, many, many cases uh, and everybody, you know, knows somebody who, who was impacted. You know, the hospital security guard passed away with COVID. My, you know, the spouse of my secretary passed away. The list goes on of folks who've been impacted. Um, and imagine like a city recovering from our last public health crisis, you know, starting to get, you know, our feedback on the ground, starting to to see light and, you know, to see the, the benefit of some of these interventions that we've been able to put in place and then rattled by another preventable public health crisis uh, where, you know, we had, you know, initially kind of lost trust in government because of what happened with our water crisis. And here we are again. Uh, a, a disparate community once again um, impacted by something else that never should have happened. Uh, so you know, Flint is, is trying to um, to trying to you know withstand this pandemic. It's been hard because not only is it a public health crisis, as we know, it's an economic crisis, it's an education crisis, it's a racial crisis, mm-hmm. um, and for our most vulnerable populations, it, it widens a lot of those disparities. Mm-hmm. Um, in my practice, uh, which is in pediatrics, uh, fortunately, um, kids have been 
um, not as impacted as adults. Um, but, it, but I've never, you know, the last week I was in clinic, it was the, the most tests of COVID I've ever ordered. So it's increasing um, absolutely um, even um, among children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also want to have you address the question of the vaccines that we now are hearing are coming and how we ought to be thinking about prioritization for those vaccines. People in Detroit, people in Flint, people of color, poor people across the country have been disproportionately affected by this pandemic. Uh, the, the, the losses that we have experienced and, and suffered through are, are unimaginable. And yeah. not that it's a contest, but, but in comparison to other communities, it's just not, it's not apples to apples. Sh- should we be thinking about the ways in which uh, uh, people of color or urban communities ought to rank uh, in, in, in terms of when we get this vaccine and, and how it's distributed. Of course, uh, there's, there's no such thing as, uh, as any process in this country that's unaffected by money and race and influence, uh, but, but should we be thinking about ways to influence it in, in the direction that would help uh, the most vulnerable communities first. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question, and it's, it's come up a lot in the in the public health and the medical community. Um, and I'm so grateful that our state has established this COVID racial task force mm-hmm. that's looking at these disparities. Um, and through their kind of immediate and proactive work, they've been able to um, largely reverse many of the disparities that we've seen early on um, by focusing, for example, mask delivery and testing sites in, in a lot of these vulnerable communities. And when the vaccine does come out and when it's FDA approved and when, you know, we know that it's efficacious and that it's, um, you know, that it's free and that there's delivery systems set up, um, I hope we are once again able to target our most vulnerable populations. Uh, I think obviously the emphasis is first going to go on um, our frontline workers, uh, for example, our healthcare workers, um, those who do not have the luxury of, of staying home and working, uh, those in the transportation industry, the uh, you know grocery stores, um, our teachers. Uh, there's a lot of frontline workers who I think also should be prioritized, and then we should actively try to work on addressing these disparities. Um, and we can, um, and and we've proved it as a state. Uh, through a lot of the efforts that were put into place um, after the first wave of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking with Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, the C.S. Mott Endowed Professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine and the voice who called the world's attention to Flint during that city's water crisis. We're talking about COVID-19 and its effect here in Michigan and in places like Flint. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Let us know how you're feeling about where we are with the pandemic and our response to it. Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there. We'll try to work them in to the conversation. Let's start with Tim in Detroit. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Mona Tisha. Are you familiar with the history of American Medical Association with black folks? Yes. So why, given how this country feels about, why would we think they would put us first to save (laughs) us? I'm, I'm just curious. So, so Tim, I'm I'm actually really glad you called uh, and asked that that question because that was 
kind of where I was going next is, you know, the history of uh, mistreatment of African Americans yeah. by the medical establishment has curated an awful lot of skepticism and fear. Uh, the, the idea that the vaccine might be tried out, for instance, on vulnerable communities to see how it works. I mean, uh, uh, these kinds of conspiracy theories are very real in communities yeah. uh, of color. Is that going to affect how effective the vaccine is? Absolutely. And they're not conspiracy theories. They're, they're real bad things. Right. That this is stuff happened. that happened in the past. Yeah. Right. Through, yeah. And, and yeah, throughout our history, um, the Tuskegee experiments, for example, um, with syphilis and where they did not provide the appropriate treatment when it became available um, and just kind of saw the consequences on this predominantly African-American population. Mm-hmm. The story of the Henrietta Lacks um, with cervical cancer. There's so many stories where the medical establishment has practiced, um, you know, racism and disproportionately treated uh, patients. And I'm, I'm glad you asked that because... Um, I am so proud of my medical community um, and the AMA because just yesterday, uh, on November 16th, the American Medical Association adopted a new policy that, in quotes, recognizes racism as a public health threat Mm. and commits to actively work on dismantling racist policies and practices across all of healthcare. Mm. Um, And, um, you know, the the first thing that they state is that they want to acknowledge the harm caused by racism and unconscious bias within medical research and healthcare, identify tactics to counter racism and mitigate its effects, um, and, you know, do a lot more other things. So, this is this is important. Uh, I'm so glad that we are finally at a point where our the medical community is recognizing the role that they played in perpetuating racism. Um, the medical community, I think it was the AMA that also closed down some um, traditional African American medical schools, yes. um, as well as schools for 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 women. Uh, uh, the AMA also has a bad history of. Um, of um, fighting things like universal health care. The the American Academy of Pediatrics earlier this year just issued an apology because of um, their refusal to induct two African-American members, you know, decades ago. Mm -hmm. So this national kind of reckoning that we're in right now in terms of racial injustices is it's, it's fantastic, and we have a long way to go. Um, but yes, there is a long history of, of medicine um, perpetuating a lot of these disparities. Yeah. And there's a, a great leader now at the AMA, the American Medical Association, a new physician. Her woman is her name is she's a pediatrician, uh, Lisa Maybank, who is actually the leader in addressing these these issues. But yeah. we have a long way to come. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Mona Hanna Tisha, always great. To catch up Thank with you. you. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Stephen. All right, that's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>